0: Good morning. So good to be with you all here this morning. Um, The lesson this morning that I want to present to you is actually going to be um, a two-part lesson. Uh, So as I was trying to decide what to talk about, I was just researching some stuff online, and I came across an article that was actually posted by a businessman. Uh, His name is Glenn Rager. He's a president and CEO of a North Carolina-based company, and this article he posted it on his uh, LinkedIn account um, was dealing with kind of examples of leadership that we find within the Bible, and of course he was applying that to like a business setting, and um, it just really stood out to me. I mean, what he talked about is not anything anything new, or anything that we don't already know. Um, but I did want to just point out his name since I kind of was what inspired me to present this lesson. But again, just this idea of looking at the Bible, looking at examples of leadership and and trying to apply that to our lives. And he was using it in in a business setting. I don't want us to get completely um, caught up on that idea of leadership because perhaps some of you may be thinking, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not in a position of authority or... I am a very introverted person, and just being someone who is in that kind of position it is not a position that I see myself in, etc cetera. And, and I don't want that to um, detract or take away from this lesson and make people think, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not a leader. If we're really being honest with ourselves, all of us at one point or another is going to be in some kind of leadership position. For some of us, or it may be leadership, within the church, such as being an elder. Um, If not, those of you who are parents, you are the leaders of your family. Um, There may be other examples of leadership in in your job where you are in a management management position and have people who are under you and are a leader in that standpoint. Uh, For those of you who are in school, you may be put in charge of a project, a group project, and you are put in a position of leadership in that regard. Or even if none of those things apply to you, there are going to be times where you are the leader of yourself. I know that kind of sounds strange. We may not always word it in that way, but you will understand what I mean by that. And so really all this is, yes, we're approaching this lesson from the idea of leadership, but really these are qualities or or mindsets that, that all of us should have in our lives, in our service to God. And so, again, we're going to be talking about lessons of leadership. And the first thing that I would like us to consider when it comes to leadership is that good leaders do what is right, even when others do not. If you consider the example of Noah, uh, we are all familiar with the the account of the flood. But in Genesis chapter chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, This is what God has to say about this time in history, about the people, and about his servant Noah. Beginning in verse 5, he says, says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with a God. And of course, we know that because Noah walked with God, Noah and his family were the only ones who were spared of that calamity. And the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 2, verse 5, called Noah a herald or a preacher of righteousness. He was a leader in his time, a leader of his family. And a leader in the sense that he was trying to get other people to follow him, or more importantly, to follow God. And so Noah was an example of leadership and doing what was right even when others did not. He did not give in. He did not give up. And he did not doubt even though he was going against the majority of people at that time. I mean the majority disagreed with him. They thought that they had things figured out. They had what they wanted to do Noah was going against the flow if you will and that is not something that is always easy to do actually I would say it's never easy to do to be in the minority but the truth is as Christians today more often than not we're probably going to find ourselves in the minority but we cannot doubt our cause, our mission, our purpose the purpose that God has given us we must stay true to the cause just as Noah did even when other people are not doing the same. Now, That's not to say that there isn't time for reflection, there isn't time to examine our position and make sure that we truly are doing what is right, because there may be times when the majority is right and we're just being stubborn. So it's not to say that there's not time for reflection, but if, if even in those times, if we reflect upon what we are doing, our actions, the position that we are taking, and we recognize that no what we are doing this right this is what God expects of me this is what God would have me to do then we need to do it we need to be leaders in that sense and do what is right even when others do not and this reminded me of one of the psalms that we recently read in our um, evening service or afternoon service so th- actually the first psalm Psalm 1 beginning in verse 1 and actually I'll just go on ahead and read the entire psalm but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And that that is exactly the kind of man, the kind of leader that Noah was. That he was a man who did not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand with the sinners, but he delighted in the Lord. And it was his goal, his purpose to serve the Lord, to be a righteous man. And as it says here that the Lord knows the ways of the righteous and they are going to be preserved but the ways of the wicked will perish just as it was in the days of Noah when Noah was a leader in doing what was right even when others did not. Secondly Good leaders embrace the unknown. And I don't know, perhaps embrace is not the, the best word to use there, but good leaders are willing to face the unknown. Consider Abraham. Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Beginning in verse 8. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then also dropping down to verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to, even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so we find in Abraham this example of a leader who embraced the unknown. I mean, when you think about what it was that Abraham did, he left behind everything that he knew. He left behind his, his father and, and his relatives, um, aside from you know, his family with him and his, his um Nephew Lot, he left everyone behind he left the comforts of his home behind to go to a land he had never been to before, he had never seen before to become something that God promised him that you know, he had no offspring when he set off we know that his wife was barren they were advanced in age there were so many unknowns that he was traveling into that he had to have full trust in God in order to overcome. He had an un- an unknown future, if you will. Circumstances that were beyond his control. And yet, what do we see? When God called him, he answered. When God told him to go, he went. When God made him a promise, he believed. He embraced the unknown. I'll be completely honest. This is something that is incredibly difficult for me. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in this. And especially in the times we've recently gone through, there have been a lot of unknowns. A lot of unknowns with this pandemic. Um, Plans that just got turned upside down. And just really not knowing what's going to happen next. When the end, you know, if the end is in sight, or if not, when is the end of these things going to come? So many things beyond our control that we just don't know. And for many people, that can be extremely uncomfortable. That can be almost debilitating. Um, But yet, the marks of a true leader is that they're able to embrace the unknown. The unknown does not shake them, but they are able to persevere and to overcome. And part of this goes back to a point that I really just made about our plans being turned upside down sometimes. In Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 it says many are the plans in the mind of man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand and the idea being we have many plans we try to plan out our whole future but those plans may come to nothing and many times those plans will come to nothing but God's purpose will stand God has a plan it may not be the plan that we had It may not be as easy as our plan but it is what God desires and I know that for that reason it is going to be for the best and so we need to be the kind of people the kind of leaders that embrace the unknown that when things do not go according to how we thought it should or the way we wanted it to go we are still able to be the people to be the leaders that God would have us to be and God himself tells us not to worry about the unknown, not to worry about ourselves and our needs. Now, I'm not going to read the entire passage because I know it is one that is very familiar to us. But again, i talked about when it comes to the unknown, many times that, that's scary, that fills us with anxiety, that makes us worry. And yet God tells us that it will be okay not to worry about those things. As he talks about in Matthew chapter 6, Um, they'll be picking up in verse 31 in Matthew chapter 6 the Lord says therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so, going along with this point, the markings of a good leader, embracing the unknown, and keeping your eye upon God, seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if we are busy doing that, and being a leader in that, God promises us that everything else will be taken care of. That he will provide for us And that we have no reason to be anxious about anything because he cares for us and he will provide for our needs. And so let us follow in the example of people like Abraham who demonstrates great leadership by embracing the unknown and completely putting his trust in God, in God's provision for him. Not only do good leaders embrace the unknown Good leaders endured changing circumstances. Um, I probably won't spend as much time on this point because I had a sermon very recently covering a lot of this, but the example of Joseph and the life that he lived. I mean, when you think about the changing circumstances in his life, his life was a roller coaster. I mean, everything that happened to him, starting off as a young man growing up in the land of his father's, being torn away by that by his own brothers i mean his own family his siblings who hated him so much that some of them wanted to kill him and all of them agreed with the exception of one to sell him into slavery and so he was torn away from everything that he knew everyone that he knew his people his family his father his brother And he was taken into a foreign land and sold into slavery. And yes, he was blessed there, but we know that it was not very long before someone slandered him, someone spoke falsely of him, and he was thrown into prison for a few years. And after that, yes, he rose to being second in the land, but again, that was not his land, that was not his people. And it was probably he was probably a middle aged man before he saw his his own people again, before he embraced his father again. I mean I just cannot imagine how difficult that must have been. I mean, yes, God blessed him tremendously, and yes, he became a very great and wealthy man. But I know from my own experience that usually the the more wealth you get or the more power you get. A lot of times the, the harder your life gets, the more responsibility you have, the more stress you have. And so even in those things, I, I do not know that I would say that, you know, it was all rosy for and, and good for, for Joseph. His life was full of ups and downs. And yet, despite everything, he remained focused. And he did not waver. In Genesis 39, and verse 9, again, when he was faced with Potiphar's wife, who was trying to seduce him, he said, "How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God?" So, when he was a slave, a servant in the mas- in his master's house, even though something terrible had happened to him, many people they may have been like, "God's not there for me. God didn't prevent this from happening to me. Look where I am now. I'm, a, I'm I went from being free and..." and doing what I wanted to being a slave you know, here this a beautiful woman is in front of me you know what, forget God I'm going to enjoy myself because God didn't take care of me that wasn't his mindset at all he put his focus on God and he was not going to sin against God and later on we're going to see that he acknowledged that this was God's doing and he was okay with that he embraced that and understood that God had a plan that he was a part of that he was doing the will of God and that that was something he could rejoice in in prison when Genesis chapter 40 verse 8 there again he is in prison for a couple years for something he was not guilty of and yet when two men have dreams that can be interpreted by Joseph Joseph again puts his focus on God says do not interpretations belong to god please tell them to me i serve a god that can explain this to you i serve a god who can help you understand god can interpret this and if you will let me through god's help i will tell you what these dreams mean then in the presence of pharaoh in genesis 41 verse 16 when pharaoh asks joseph to interpret his dream joseph tells him it is not me God is the one who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And so even before Pharaoh, one of the most powerful people, if not the most powerful person on the earth at that time, Joseph could have tried to make himself look good, but instead his focus was on God and giving glory to God, recognizing that God was the one doing this and not him. And then in Genesis 45, when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, beginning in verse 5, he told them, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And in verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. So those are the words of Joseph when he revealed his true identity to his brothers when they came to Egypt during the famine. And then in Genesis 50, Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, After the death of Jacob, Joseph's father, when his brothers were afraid that now that their father was dead Joseph was going to retaliate against them and Joseph told them in verse 20 he says as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today and so Joseph despite his circumstances despite all the changes that happened in his life he remained focused he did not waver He served God, no matter what. And with this point, I was thinking of the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so we need to be leaders, despite our circumstances, recognizing that the things that are around us and the things that happen to us in life these are but temporary things they're not going to be there all the time and we can overcome those things we can maintain our purpose during those times if we keep our focus on the things that are eternal on the things that God has planned for us and so let us follow the example of Joseph and lead during or lead despite our life circumstances The fourth point is that good leaders seek what is best for their people. And I'd like for us to look at the example of Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, the Hebrew writer tells us how Moses gave up his life being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gave up his life as Egyptian royalty to be mistreated with God's people because he cared about their interests and he recognized that that was where he belonged and this just sets kind of the precedence of of what Moses does in his life and how he sought what was best for God's people yes it took a little bit of a push from God but Moses went before Pharaoh again the mightiest the most powerful man on the face of the earth at that time Moses was willing to go and to confront him. To try to get him to allow God's people to leave. And he did that time and time again until finally after God had fully demonstrated his power that he wanted to to show Pharaoh, Pharaoh relented and allowed Moses to lead God's people out of bondage. But many other times Moses interceded for God's people. And trying to seek what was in their best interest. I was thinking of Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. This is when the children of Israel are out at Mount Sinai. Moses had been on top of the mountain for quite some time, speaking with God and, and receiving the laws, the commandments that the people were to live by. And we know that during that time, the people turned to idolatry. Like Moses has been gone, he's probably dead. We need to build an idol, a God who can go before us. And so after these events have taken place, in Exodus 32, verse 11, it says, But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, With evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger, and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever." And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. And so Moses sought what was best for the people. He tried to do what was best for them. in this time when they had sinned against God, and God was ready to wipe them out. He was ready to destroy them and to start over with Moses. Moses, being the leader he was, interceded for the people before God. And I like the words that are talked about in Psalm 106, verse 23. Psalm 106, verse 23, it says that when God was going to destroy them, it says therefore he said he would destroy therefore he said he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. And so because of Moses' actions, God spared the people. Because Moses cared about their interests, and he tried to do what was best for them. And at the end of his life, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses wanted the people to continue to do what was right and to follow God, that they may have life after he was gone. And verse 19 of Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses told, tells them, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And so as the people were getting ready to move forward without Moses, this was what Moses' desire, his want was for them. He desired for them to live, to follow God wholeheartedly, and to give themselves to give themselves to God and to his plan for them. And so Moses saw what was best for the people. And is that not something that we desire to see in our own leaders? We want leaders who are going to put the people that they are leading first, that are going to look out for their, their own interests, or for the interests of the people that is not the interest of the leaders themselves. This is what we desire in a leader, and we recognize that people who do that are people who are admired, people that others want to follow, because they are someone who truly cares, and someone who is truly trying to bring about what is going to be best for everyone. And so we need to follow the example of Moses and lead by seeking what is best for other people. The fourth point, I'm sorry, not the fourth, the fifth point. The fifth point I'd like for us to talk about is that good leaders lead by example. We've talked a lot lately about Joshua, the one who was put in place, put in charge after Moses died. Joshua was going to be the one to lead the people of Israel into the land God had promised, and to uh, to lead the conquest of that land so that they could receive their inheritance, and the passage that we are all so familiar with, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. This is actually, again, towards the end of Joshua's life, one of his final addresses to the people. And in verse 14, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served before the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua led by example. He did not ask the people to do anything that he himself was not willing to do. And in fact, he was going to do what was right right, regardless of whether they followed him or not. Similar to what we talked about with Noah. He was going to do what was right, regardless if they followed. He said, choose for yourselves. But as for me and my house, we're going to do what is right. We are going to follow God. And I implore you to do the same. I wanted to put up a picture on the board and um, or on the screen, and uh, I wasn't quite sure about copyright laws. It did not seem like it was a, a public domain image, but I'm sure it's probably one that you all have seen before. Uh, the version of it that I saw is kind of done in the style of you know, like an old drawing, maybe that you would see, um, you know, just in an ancient civilization. Um, and it's actually two different pictures. And the first picture it shows several men. Workers, and they're in a straight line, and they're trying to pull behind them a, a large stone, a large rock, perhaps maybe to build something like a pyramid. I don't know. And on top of the on top of this the stone that these men are trying to pull is the man who's in charge, and he's sitting in a chair, and I can't remember if he's just pointing and telling them what to do or if he has a whip in his hand, but it has a title over him, and it says something like taskmaster. He is the one who is giving out the tasks and and making these men do the work and giving them instructions. And then the second picture is almost identical, except for the man who is in charge. He's not sitting up on top of the stone anymore. He's the first one in line pulling the stone. And over him, it has the title, Leader. Have you seen that picture? I mean, it speaks volumes. And what a good leader is and what makes a good leader, makes a leader different than just someone who is shouting out commands and, and being a taskmaster, if you will. And people who lead by examples, again, those are the people that are admired. Those are the people that others want to follow. It is easy to follow someone who is willing to do exactly what they require of you. And in fact, they're the ones who are leading the way. And not a, perhaps I don't know I'm not a, a physics person but I want to say that if he was in the very front the way they were pulling that it probably meant that his job was the hardest <laughs> maybe not I'm not sure maybe it's the first or, uh, but regardless you'll understand the point I'm making That these are the kind of people that people look up to and that people will readily follow someone who leads by example and this is what God asks us ourselves to do And I was just thinking of the example of Timothy. You know, Paul told Timothy with the Christians there that he was working with to be an example to them. Uh, I know this in um, regards to perhaps people who were looking down upon him because of his youth, uh, because he was a young man, but in 2 Timothy 4.12, Paul told him, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. I mean, he was telling him in every aspect Be an example to people. Let them see you doing these things so that they will do likewise. And I also thought of 1 Peter 5. This is aimed at those who are shepherds, those who are elders. When God, or when Peter, or God through Peter told shepherds to be an example to the flock, lead by example, just as Joshua did. And I hope that we will learn from that. And we will strive to do the same. And the last point that I would like for us to consider this morning is that good leaders are not afraid of giants. And you already know where I'm going with that one. With the example of David. We're not going to read the entire account. Um, I'm just going to read a couple verses really just demonstrating David's attitude. We know that the children of Israel were at war with the Philistines, and we know that the Philistines had a champion, a giant named Goliath, who came out and challenged the people of Israel to single combat, for them to send up their best man to fight against him, and whoever prevailed would have the victory of the battle, and the losing side would become the servants to the winning side. And we know that when David went down to the battle, no one else was willing to fight against Goliath. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, after David has been brought before Saul, because David's been saying some things that have made it to Saul's ears, David told Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and will fight with this Philistine. And also dropping down to verse 36, David said, Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And then also dropping down to verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. I just can't imagine the, the scene playing out. I mean, here you have the the Israelite army, all these men of war, of valor, and I mean it's just kind of speculation on my part but Saul has proven himself in battle in the past Saul was also described as being head and shoulders above all the other men of Israel really seems like Saul the king would have been physically at least perhaps due to his stature the most likely candidate to go and, and fight against Goliath and yet Saul's not there and all the other men of war are not there. I mean, yes, they're there, but they are cowering before this giant. And here it is, this young shepherd boy. He was just there, not because he's there to fight, but because his father sent him to check on his brothers and make sure that they were okay. He was the only Lord that was not afraid of this giant and was willing to go in the name of the Lord and strike down this giant and give... The Israelites, the victory, and to give the glory to God. What a tremendous example of leadership. And I'm just going to venture to say that none of you are probably ever going to have to fight against a giant. <laughs> but I bet all of you, at one point or another, are going to have some pretty giant problems that you feel like you have to face in life. And maybe it's not just one giant problem, maybe it's several, maybe it's several small problems that are hitting you at once, and so it feels like a big giant problem. Or maybe if you're not fighting against a giant in the sense of someone who is just extremely tall and powerful, maybe it's just someone who is in a position of authority. That you, for one reason or another, are having to be in conflict with, and, and confront them over something that is happening, or something that is being done that is wrong. We don't have to be afraid in times like that, just as David did not have to be afraid in times like that. There is no reason for us to fear big problems in life if we have God on our side, because God has promised that he will help us through those times, that he will help us to overcome, and God can handle them. No matter how big it may seem, God can handle them, and he will help us. I was thinking of Jeremiah 32 uh, Jeremiah 32 verse 27 it's a little bit of a strange passage not that in particular but just the, the, the context of that passage. Jeremiah is a prophet, he's in the city of Jerusalem, the city is under siege, the, the enemy is pretty much at the gates and God tells Jeremiah to go and to buy a, a field of land that is outside the city walls and Jeremiah obeys God, and he goes and he does it, but afterwards, you know, he has some questions. He's like, what is this about? Why are you having me do this? Can't you see that the enemy is outside? Like, what is the point? Jerusalem is about to be destroyed, and of course, God reveals to him his plan, and the, the idea being that Jeremiah was setting an example that there was going to come a time again God was going to fulfill his promises and there would be a time when people would buy and sell land there in the land of Israel again. That what the destruction God was bringing upon them, it was not going to last forever. He was going to restore his people and things were going to be well for them. And they were going to go back to doing some of the things they did before and said they were going to buy and sell land again. And that was the point that God was making there. But when God first responds to Jeremiah in 32 verse 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And of course, the answer to that is no. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing in our lives is too hard for God. And if we are truly on God's side, then we can be leaders to others and leaders in our own lives who are not afraid of the giants and who are able to overcome because of God, because we have put our trust in him, and because he has promised to help us. And so let's strive to be those kind of leaders, those kind of, or that kind of people in our life. The kind of people who do what is right, even when others do not. Even if the majority of people around us not we are going to be leaders in doing what is right before God let us be leaders who embrace the unknown life's uncertainties knowing that God is going to take care of us and it's going to be all right let us be leaders who endure changing circumstances that no matter what point in our life we find ourselves in no matter what we are having to go through or deal with that we're going to be constant in our service to God, that we are going to be immovable, that we are going to be focused upon what God has in plan for us, and the eternal home that He has, he has given us. And let us be leaders who seek what is best for others, as Moses did, that we are not seeking our own interest but each other's interest. That we are trying to do what is best and right for other people especially when it comes to spiritual things, especially when it comes to seeking what is best for people and trying to get them to heaven. And let us lead by example, just as Joshua did. Let us do what we ask others to do, so they know that it's not just empty words, it's not just us ordering them around, but that we truly believe in what we are telling them to do or what we are trying to lead them in because we are doing the same ourselves let's lead by example and finally let's not be afraid of the giants the giant problems in life that can have no power over us only if we let them but with God's help we are able able to overcome as I mentioned before this is part one I'm not sure when part two will be coming, just the next time that I'm down to preach. uh, It will not be before too long. Um, There's six more points that I would like to go through. Um, For that reason, I decided to split it up into two lessons. But I hope the things that I've talked about this morning have been beneficial to you. I know that it has to me. I mean, I know that these are, are simple ideas, but they're very powerful ideas. And something that if we, again, strive to follow God, God can help us, God will help us to be these kinds of people. And so these are traits that can only be found in God. The God who gives us grace, who gives us hope, who gives us peace. The God who is the perfecter of our faith and the reason for our confidence. And if we will but give ourselves to him, fully commit to him, fully trust in him that we can be such leaders in our lives so what about you this morning how are you leading your own life have you given yourself completely to God are you serving him or are you still serving yourself and are you serving the prince of this world You have this opportunity before you now, and I hope that if you need to do something to make your life right with God, that you will not wait. You are surrounded by people who love you, who care for you, who want what is best for you. And if there's anything that I can do or anyone else can do to help you, to pray for you, to encourage you, to help you to get on the right path, and I pray that you will do so now as we stand and as we sing together.